0: This is Putting Numbers to Work from MetLife, where complex data from the benefits landscape is distilled into lessons employers can immediately put into action. Now here's your host, Marcus Smallwood.
1: Welcome to MetLife's podcast, Putting Numbers to Work, where experts take complex ideas from across the benefit research landscape and distill them into lessons employers can put into action. Hi, I'm Marcus Smallwood, Regional Vice President here at MetLife. HR professionals are inundated with new stories and emerging trends that help predict radical shifts in employee expectations and how organizations need to change to stay competitive. It's hard to know who to trust, what's hype, what's real, and what's going to have an impact. This show will give you the data, confidence, and practical advice you need to help stay competitive and build a stronger, more productive, and holistically healthy workforce. Today, I'm speaking with Rebecca Frazier-Thill, career coach, public speaker, senior contributor at Forbes on the topic of meaningful work. Rebecca and I will discuss the importance of providing professional growth and training in the workplace, including why learning and development opportunities are so important to employees right now, why soft skills are becoming increasingly popular with these ambitious employees, how employers can use professional growth and training opportunities to hire and retain talent, and much, much more. So, Rebecca, welcome so much. It is so good to have you here.
0: I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you.
1: Great. Well, I'm excited for our conversation today, and I thought that we would start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself, you know, your your journey, how you became a leader today, and and really what drove you to start your path in career coaching.
0: Absolutely. So, as many journeys start, it started with dissatisfaction, honestly. I was someone who came out of college and felt like I was uncertain how I was going to create my own path forward and have all of the pieces and facets that I wanted out of a career. And I was studying developmental psychology at Cornell University, and I felt like developmental psych should be all about how we do this practice of making our lives rich and full. And I still wasn't getting the answers. So when I started teaching at a small liberal arts college in the psychology department, I spent a lot of time talking to my students to find out how they were going about figuring out where they were going to go with their careers. And as I was having those conversations, I kept coming back to that being the most fulfilling part of my day. Um, Certainly, I loved the teaching, but I loved having career conversations. And so some people I knew started to say to me, why don't you do that for a living? So I built a career coaching practice on the side and ran that for about 10 years. And then the pandemic hit and it was just this major opportunity to take my practice full-time and focus on it because the demands and the need were too great to not do so. So I'm here getting to do this work all of the time because it's answering questions I've had since I was quite young about how we build lives that are going to be full and productive and feel engaging in a variety of ways. Well,
1: I love it, and I, I love your journey, and, it, and and it's clear that we're going to benefit um, from all of your experience today uh, because we're going to delve into the importance of providing professional growth and training in the workplace. And so, Rebecca, I thought we would start more broadly. So in your experience in work, you know, how do you define employer offer growth and training opportunities?
0: Yes, absolutely. So employer offered opportunities for growth and development are really important. they are opportunities in which the employer is going to be creating time and the funding for employer, employees to do this training and development, ideally that the employees themselves want to be doing. And that's a key piece of it. Sometimes employers are offering up opportunities that employees aren't really that interested in. And that doesn't create the win-win that can really um, amount from having the employees dig in and say, I'm interested in going in this direction. And they're either gonna do it within the organization or they're going to go find a new organization to do that work in. So if you can tap into that interest that employees have, they're often telling me in my career coaching sessions what those interests are and where they're going to take them. If the employer can instead have those conversations, recognize those opportunities, and offer up the training and development opportunities, which I've done with a number of organizations where we encourage the employees to take ownership over their own career development path, Nobody else can own it for you. So the extent to which an employee really feels empowered to know their own sense of personality, their values, their preferred skills, and how they want to take those moving forward and the ways in which they see themselves adding value within their organization. It's just this huge, mutually beneficial opportunity for both the employees and the employer.
1: Yeah, I I love that. And it, it really can be a way to win, right? I mean, and this is critically important. We do a study here at MetLife. Every year we release our Employee Benefits Trends Study, which uh, explores the latest trends in workplace dynamics and employer-employee relationships. And our 2023 report identified professional growth and training as a key element of an employee experience that helps employees feel cared for, which ultimately drives higher job satisfaction and happiness. And our study found that 35% of employees rate learning and development among the top three elements of the employee experience. So Rebecca, why do you think these opportunities are so important to employees right now? I'm so glad
0: to see that this came out in this study because it's what I'm hearing in my practice all the time. That My clients are always talking about the importance of being able to grow and develop and feel like they're really becoming their fullest selves while they're at work. The pandemic definitely played a role in some of this. I find that more people started to think about this question and really consider what does it mean to have work that's going to feel deeply fulfilling. So ticking all the boxes that it's offering the security and the compensation, but also offering the opportunities to grow in the ways that people want to be growing. And that's a really key element. They want to be growing. And so this pandemic has offered an opportunity for people to take a look and think about the ways they could make changes. We know a lot of turnover happened during and since the pandemic. So we've been seeing people moving on if their organization is keeping them in a box and not enabling them to grow in the ways they want to be growing. And so what you're seeing in the study makes perfect sense because people are saying, I need more from this. I need more from my job. It can't just be this forever. And people understand that adults are developing, right? It's not decades of staying static and the the same. That's what I always found interesting in developmental psychology. And that's what clients are always expressing to me. And when I'm working with corporations and trainings, people are talking about this, that, hey, I still have a lot that I want to be doing with my life. How am I going to do it within this organization? And if the organization can't answer that, they're finding a new org to go to.
1: Yeah, it's so true. I mean, you must have done a really good job over the pandemic because I think a lot of employees have come back and they've been pretty bold, right? Just to say, hey, this is what I expect out of my career. This is what I want. And like you said, they've taken ownership of their career development in meaningful ways and have set the bar really high for employers on their expectation when it comes to career development and learning in the workplace. So Rebecca, let's do this. Let's talk a little bit about my millennial friends It was like a thief in the night, they kind of just took over uh, the workforce, and I'm sure many of your clients are millennials as well, so uh, you'll be able to speak on this. But while demographics are interested, and most of the demographics are interested in learning and development, our latest employee benefit trend study found that millennials are particularly interested. Over half, 53%, in fact, say these opportunities are must-have benefits from their employer. Now, are you seeing this in your work too? And and if so, why might millennials be more interested in professional development than any other generation?
0: This finding is fascinating. And it doesn't surprise me when I was teaching for 18 years at a college, I was working with the millennials, right? That's, that's who I was with most of that time. I got to know them inside and out. I'm on the cusp of being a m- millennial myself and probably think a bit more like a millennial than my actual generation in terms of, this thinking that they'd held from a young age, in the college years, they were talking about the ways in which they wanted a full life, a full career. And when they meant that, they meant that they wanted to be their, their fullest selves and actualize in a variety of ways through their work experiences. It wasn't just about getting a paycheck or getting to that retirement at the end, which we've seen in other generations. It's truly about how does today feel? And am I making the most of today? So in my within my coaching practice, I have clients who say to me, hey, I've got all everything that I could possibly need, and yet I don't have this feeling that I'm actually doing anything that's engaging me as a person, my whole self. And here are millennials that are in this time where they're entering into or are the leaders of organizations. They are having all of these competing demands on their time because they're having child rearing coming up now, and they may be caring for parents and starting to do that work as well. They've got a lot that they're juggling. And so if they're going to be putting time into their work, they want it to be meaningful and satisfying. And that typically means that they're growing and developing within that work so that they feel like their time away from the many people in their lives, their friends, their family members, is being well spent and not simply earning a paycheck and benefits, but doing that in addition. And that's what you see coming out in this report that they're saying, yeah, make me feel like I'm actually a part of this growth while I'm in my workplace every day. They were asking for it in college and they're still asking for it now. And I love to see that. <laughs>
1: that's great. Yeah. They, they really are putting a, a holistic view on what they're getting out of uh, their, their satisfaction at work. And you're right. I love that you brought up that millennials and other generations. I mean, there's so many hats that they're wearing and it's hard for them to, you know, to put in a full day's work and then take off that hat and put on that caregiver hat. And so many times I would expect that they have an expectation from their employer that the learning and development that they're going to get, um, they're going to need to be able to create space within the workplace to be able to do that versus doing it outside because they just got have no time. Right, and so uh, providing that space within the daytime is gonna be critically important.
0: Yeah, don't make them multitask. It's just too much, too much to ask, so absolutely.
1: So another gap that the 2023 study identified was between remote and hybrid employees and their on-site counterparts. And I, and I found this f- uh, fascinating. So as remote and hybrid workers, 64% are significantly more satisfied with the availability of training and upskilling initiatives than their on-site workers at 53%. So why might this be the case and and what can employers do to help boost the satisfaction of these on-site employees?
0: Oh, this is another really interesting finding and matches what I'm experiencing and seeing in my practice. So it seems that employers think it's more difficult to offer on-site Training opportunities. It seems like it's going to be easier to do something remote, often because they're thinking asynchronous for remote workers or hybrid workers, and they're thinking synchronous training for on site employees. It doesn't have to be that way, right? Um, By any means, it could be synchronous or asynchronous, regardless of where a person is. And the key, related to the previous question, is to carve out space for individuals to do this work. Remote and hybrid workers often have a bit more control over their day than on-site workers. They can feel like they know how their day is going to play out. They may be able to carve out some of that deep work time where they're really able to think and focus. And if they're doing some asynchronous training, they plan it right into their day. On-site workers have the benefit of being around people all the time, but that also comes with the side of you don't always know how your day is going to play out because someone may ask you for something or may stop by and need XYZ, And so I find my on-site workers have a harder time carving out space and time that's dedicated for doing any of that thinking type of work, which training and development certainly is a part of. So if employers are going to offer on-site workers these opportunities, which they absolutely should, they also have to be protecting and guarding their time and giving them support in doing so, so that it's not only that they're trying to do it on their own, but it's actually fully accepted in company culture that doors close or people block time on their calendars. And it can be asynchronous learning that's happening on-site if that's going to be a better fit for some people. You can also offer the synchronous learning to the off-site workers, the remote and hybrid workers. So thinking more creatively about the ways in which we're offering training and development opportunities. And now that we're in this hybrid era, We can also think about being hybrid in our training approaches too, right? It doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can have some synchronous meetings that are happening, but you can also have a lot of learning that is on the employee's time, but within their workday because we're not wanting to add to their plate. That's what so many of my clients will say is, I have these funds to do this training, but I don't have the time to use the funds and they expect me to do this in the evenings or the weekends, and that doesn't feel right to them. They don't feel valued when that's the way the benefit is offered up.
1: Yeah, it's kind of counterintuitive to this whole concept of work-life balance, right? You hit it spot on. You really need to create that space. And like you like you said as well, that, that acceptance for them to be able to do that training in the workplace and almost be encouraged to do that during the day. And then look, I, I would all admit, em- employers have it tough, right? Because- We have diverse populations that have diverse needs, and that comes with, like you said, a creative approach to meet an approach that that really is a fit for, for everyone in the workplace.
0: Absolutely. It's all about talking to your employees and finding out what their needs are. That's the heart of all of this.
1: Yeah, I agree. So interestingly, career development is shifting away from hard skills and placing a new emphasis on soft skills. And while most current employer provided training is technical in nature, employees are looking to go beyond this. You know, they're looking to strengthen their emotional skills, their, their social skills, and their cognitive capabilities. So, what are some of the soft skills that you're becoming increasingly popular that you're seeing? They're coming popular with these ambitious employees.
0: Yeah, these driven, ambitious employees really do recognize that being a great employee isn't just about having the technical skills and the hard skills and getting to these deliverables in a timely manner. It's about so much more. It's about communication skills. It's about teamwork. It's about being able to be coached and coach others. And so these soft skills, which notably, having worked in a liberal arts college, we've known for a long time that the soft skills are really important. There's um, studies that have been conducted by like the National Association of Colleges and Employers that has always shown that employers are looking for lots of soft skills like communication skills and problem solving and teamwork. And they've been doing this for decades. But here, employees are finally getting the drift that those are key, that they're recognizing, huh, the people who are being promoted, the people who are getting really amazing assignments and opportunities, there are people who aren't just delivering. They're delivering in a really fascinating way in which they are able to build mentoring relationships and maintain those over time. They know how to network. They know how to coach others. They know how to accept coaching feedback. And I have clients all the time who come to me and that's what they want to gain. They say to me, I don't know how to network well internally, right? This isn't about external networking, but how to have conversations that aren't about the tasks at hand And so we work on building up those skills. We work on what's it mean to coach your direct reports, not just hand out assignments and say, we need it by this date. So I see this in my practice constantly. It's also what many organizations are asking for in training programs when they reach out to me. They are not asking as much for these technical skills. They're saying, we've got a whole bunch of people who are technically great. And we need something more happening here. We need them to know how to communicate and have teamwork, especially as we're in this remote and hybrid era where it's a little more challenging to do these communication elements and all of this coaching and being coaching coached. So seeing this in the study really popped for me because I was like, yay, this is what employees are noticing and they want this. And I'm glad that employers really are thinking about how they can build this in to their training programs throughout the day.
1: It's so important. I mean, in, in my, my role, I have the opportunity to, I mean, I have mentors, I have sponsors, uh, and I'm also that for others as well. And one of the things, you know, when we're, when I'm having conversations w- with folks is they are clamoring for, you know, that skill to be able to, to network better, to get out of that comfort zone. And many of them are scared to self-promote themselves, right? To say, you know, to share some of the great things that they, they've done and, and, and they need some coaching and some guidance and some ideas on, on how to to do that uh, to help further their career as well.
0: Absolutely. Which is a win-win for the, the organization as well, right? Because when people are able to show what they're doing and show their value, that's amazing for the organization to recognize oh, wow, this person's doing this. They become more engaged. They add even more value. I mean, it's just this amazing cycle that starts to happen when people build some of these skills in a variety of ways. It's, I can't overstate it, honestly.
1: Absolutely. So Rebecca, as I mentioned before, the employee benefit trend study that we released recently found that when employees feel cared for by their employer, well, employers see increased loyalty, productivity, and engagement from their employees. It's interesting that intrinsic motivators such as compensation and work-life balance are most important when it comes to driving employee satisfaction. I mean, it it is for me. However, the report also found that it's actually the intrinsic motivators, like the professional growth opportunities, that make a bigger difference in contributing to perceptions of care. So if employees feel these intrinsic needs are not being met, who should they talk to and what advice would you give them uh, to these employers who don't see offering these learnings and development programs as a core benefit?
0: I hear about this all the time in my coaching practice, clients saying, this isn't being offered. I love a lot about my organization, but I'm going to move on if I don't get my developmental opportunities. And I talk to them about, it's time to be brief. It's time to speak up. It's really scary to talk to a higher up about your needs. And it's absolutely fundamental, not just for the one individual. And I say this to my clients all the time. This isn't just about you. This is about you creating opportunity for others as well, because none of these opportunities will come to fruition unless someone brave speaks up. And anyone who does have opportunities in their organization, it's probably because one person or a group of people came forward and said, we need this development opportunity. So employees should reach out. First, talk to your supervisor, right? I have those, hopefully the one-on-ones, the standing meetings are opportunities that are truly conversation-based and have some time for developmental conversations. Um, It's something I I wrote about for Harvard Business Review recently about the importance of being able to converse about a career development on a regular basis, 10, 15 minutes in every standing. And that's an opportunity to say, I need some training, I need some development. I want to work on this particular soft skill. How can I go about doing this? And that supervisor will hopefully direct the individual along to HR or to other opportunities that will exist or could be created. I've had clients who have spoken up and found that, Funds could become available that then they could repurpose as needed or that they actually came to me and said, I want to pay for coaching with funds, but I don't think any exist. And then they work it out with their, their manager to be able to have that funding because that's a key de- professional development tool as well as to get that coaching, to learn to network and learn how to do all these communication skills. The key here is that we're in a really competitive job market. I know we always have that recession looming, but it's a it's a job market where people are still jumping around and are quite empowered in a variety of ways and employees are looking for an employer who will meet their needs and they're going to go out and they're going to find it so if someone is asking and brave enough to say i need this developmental opportunity then I would really encourage employers to, to listen to that because it's not just that one person who's feeling it. You, you know how it is, right? If one person's saying it, there's a whole lot of people who are thinking it, experiencing it, and probably quietly talking to a career coach like me and making their plans to move on out.
1: <laughs> I agree. I love what you said there. you reminded me of a good friend that I have here at MetLife, and, and she's always you know, lived by the motto, be bold, be brave, and be brief right? But it does take people to stand up and say what's important, uh, not only for themselves, but for, you know, others in in the organization. And you also hit on another really good thing. There's still a war for talent. When we talk to our customers and our relationships at MetLife, they continually say that they're looking for top talent. And they're also looking for ways to train in meaningful ways so that those employees feel cared for at work and that they can um, develop and grow. And I know that many organizations put an emphasis on development and training, and and they put that responsibility on the shoulders of the supervisor, that they got to have development plans and they got to have conversations. But you're right. It does start with someone being bold enough and brave enough to speak up, right, and say what um, they think is important and what's going to have an impact on these employees and the organization as well.
0: Absolutely. And to add to what you were saying, I've had many clients who have had amazing job offers in hand, more than one. And they're top talent people, right? They're incredible. And often what makes the decision is they feel that their supervisor is going to go to bat for them. They've had conversations with that person. They feel like they will support their growth. That is like the direct quote. They'll say, I think that person's really going to support my growth. And they see within the organization actual policies and processes to do that development work. So I've seen that be the deciding factor. Many, many times over in job when people have more than one job
1: offer in hand and top talent, they usually have more than one job offer in hand. (laughs) That's true. That is true. Rebecca, look, this has been great, but um, let's conclude with the main takeaways for our listeners. Right. So how can employers use professional growth and training opportunities to hire and retain talent? Absolutely.
0: So hiring and retaining through these opportunities of professional development is Absolutely key by breaking it down with some short-term steps. You can expand access to those training, learning, and upskilling opportunities so that there's that win-win where both the organization and the employee is really gaining so much. And doing that before somebody asks, ideally, right? It takes bravery for somebody to ask, but why wait until then? Expand it before then. Think beyond the technical skills like we talked about. Those soft skills are what people want because they know they're transferable And it's going to build their career in so many different dimensions. So think beyond those. And also embrace some cohort learning. There's so many ways to build cohorts. And like we said, that can be synchronous, asynchronous, a combination of the two. And think beyond just, it's hard for my on-site workers. Or what am I going to do with these individuals versus my remote workers? You've got to get really creative about your problem solving in this space. You can also formalize some of the mentoring and networking. So don't put all the onus on the individuals who are trying to figure out how do I do this. The more that there are structured programs in place, I find that the anxiety goes way down for my clients about the how of it because they're like, oh, I can enter into this mentoring program or this networking program and they learn the skills and are scaffolded in developing those very importantly, embedding DEI into leadership development programs is so key throughout all of this and offering all these active channels for communication and two-way feedback, like we talked about. This isn't like one-off, you talk uh, in a review meeting about development. Development should be a conversation that happens Every standing. And when I was managing people, that's what I did. I always put the 10 minutes aside, hopefully in the beginning, so we didn't just get so deep into what needed to get done in the coming week that we actually had that moment to talk about how do we support you in this? What are your next steps and move this forward and hear from them what's lacking? Because you don't want to hear it on the exit interview, which is when so many employers hear it, is when they're moving on. So that's way too late. And so those are some of the short-term steps to really building out this professional development
1: opportunities
0: for employees.
1: Wow. Rebecca, I wanna say thank you so much. You've given our listeners uh, so many great nuggets to to think about and and to play off of as well. And uh, you truly are an expert. Uh, You've been absolutely fantastic. So thank you so much for for joining the episode today.
0: Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Uh
1: Well, That's it for today's episode. I wanna say thank you again so much to Rebecca for joining us today and telling us all about the importance of providing professional growth and training in the workplace. If you've enjoyed the conversation, make sure you subscribe to Putting Numbers to Work and leave us a review. Tell us what you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Marcus Smallwood and this has been Putting Numbers to Work presented by MetLife.